Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Today's journey finds us at the new Bullock Distillery Project in Charleston, West Virginia. Well, we're here in Elk City, Charleston, West Virginia, which is really part of the uh, historic west side of Charleston. Some new developments coming around here, Erin. That's what we're, we're here today for. Absolutely. And uh, we've got a, a good man here, Ty Bullock, who's along with his family, the lead developers over here in this area. So Ty, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads podcast. Thanks for having me. We want to get into some background information for you as far as history, family type um, things. Where did you grow up? Uh, where'd you go to school? That type of stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I'm from Thurman, West Virginia. Um, born and uh, mostly raised. Moved there. Moved from there when I was about five years old and uh, moved around a little bit and um, ended up in here in Charleston, West Virginia, and not too far from Thurman. And um, graduated from George Washington High School in 2007. Uh, went to WVU for about 10 years. And um, I've been back in Charleston for about three years now. And is that where you began your career? Or did you begin it in Morgantown right after school? Um, I, be- I began my career in, in uh, I, I would guess I would say Thurman, because um, as Thurman sort of started to fall down and dilapidate, I, I, I was very interested in solving the problem of how can we create economic viability in our state. And um, uh, that kind of led me to my... Um, my interest in this line of work. Alan, tell me about your father. What is his profession? Uh, so my dad's an engineer. Um, he's also a, uh, a geologist and an accountant. Ah, so I imagine this helped spark your interest in where you began your career. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My parents uh, have been uh, uh, extremely important and, and uh, influential in my career decisions. Very good. So are you guys uh, whiskey drinkers yourselves? Yes, we are, we, and uh, we come from a long line of them as well. <laughs> uh oh, Fayette County people, huh? Well, actually, it's funny enough. Um, my father is from uh, North Carolina, and um, there was a Captain Bullock who fought in the American Revolution along with um, Francis Mary and the Swamp Fox. And in his will, he left a uh, a still to his son. Uh, that's that, that's. I think that kind of shows how long we've been interested in this line of work. North Carolina family had some uh, interest in uh, drinking as well. And what kind of uh, types of distilled spirits are you guys fans of? Um, whiskey is, is my go-to. Uh, I would say my mom is probably more of a gin person. Um, and uh, my dad's a whiskey person as well. Uh, how did you and your father initially get interested in building and operating a distillery? Uh, I think it goes back to that, that story I just told where... Um, uh, yeah, where uh, Captain Bullock left a um, North Carolina was famous for being you know the Tar Heels and turpentine distillers, and so uh, you know we'd clean off the the turpentine stills and throw some uh, some corn in them after afterwards. So it's been in our blood for a while. Which actually kind of brings me into my next question because I was going to ask, did you have any background in the um, beverage alcohol industry? Which you've started to answer uh, me not directly um I'm, i've missed a generation um and and uh but but we it's as i said we've always been uh, uh consumers and had a had a large interest in it so it just came naturally well the beverage industry beverage alcohol industry is certainly one of the most highly regulated industries in the country 
I'm just wondering how have you found your background in in law as an attorney helpful in this uh, development process for the distillery? Um, it's been uh, not as much use as you one would think, but it has been very useful um, in sort of um, not feeling totally overwhelmed with what seems to be an insurmountable amount of uh, state and federal regulations. Um, but it's definitely come in handy in, in us uh, understanding our risks and what we really needed to do to get in this business. Well, I know the local Charleston Main Street Group business development group is here actively promoting this Elk City District. And uh, they've done there's a lot going on here. But I'm just kind of curious as to how you feel the distillery project will fit in here in Elk City. Um, I think it kind of fits right in with this sort of, uh, I guess, a motif, for lack of a better word, of um, small West Virginia-run businesses that uh, have a focus in uh, West Virginia consumers, West Virginia upstream um, sourcing of raw products, which is what our company is going to be focused on. And so I think it just uh, just fits right in with everything else that's going on. And um, that, that, that's also what helped us come to this decision about uh, starting this company. What makes you think that there's a market uh, for liquor from a small distillery in this particular area? That's a good question as well. Um, I think that, uh, one, there's always a demand for liquor. You of know? course. <laughs> um, you know, when times are good, there's a demand for liquor. When times are bad, there's also a demand for liquor. <laughs> Universal. Um, and there's always a good demand for quality products. And um, that's what we intend to, to go for is, is uh, no frills, um, uh, no gimmicks, uh, just a, a really good quality product that, that, that we're going to focus on. Did you actively engage any marketing testing to, to see for yourself any statistical data? Um, nothing formal. Uh, we didn't engage any firms or anything like that, but uh, we're kind of do it ourselves and uh, in our family, and, <clears throat> and we kind of looked into it, and we, uh, we did do a lot of, um, quote, market testing in the sense that we went to a lot of distilleries across uh, West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Uh, we got to understand their laws, their problems, their, uh, their successes, and uh, met some great people along the way. And um, at one point, we even thought about making this, the, getting this thing up and running and then selling it um, or trying to get someone else to open one. But... Uh, we kind of fell in love with our own idea and because uh, we think it is a good idea and, and, and we think it will be a very successful business. Well, Ty, let's move in now to the actual design of your distillery. Maybe you could give us an overview of the production setup that you plan there. Sure, yeah. Um, so uh, my father is a professional engineer and uh, I've been in the construction business for 14 years now and so um, it probably comes to us more easily than, uh, and it's still been a big challenge, but, um, but it, it seemed less, uh, um, less intimidating to, to us together. And uh, we had an empty building that was down the street from us. It was a big shotgun style, about 20 feet wide and uh, over 100 feet long. And so it was just kind of conducive to um, the size of the operation that we would like to see happen. And, so we kind of started with, with that, and we worked inwardly on what we had to work with. Mm -hmm. And where are you getting your equipment? Um, all over the place. We've uh, purchased the, uh, used to be the old West Virginia Distilling Companies, um, still out of Morgantown, which I believe was one of the first ones in the state, was it not? Uh, in recent years. 
Yes, it of the new many distilleries. It yeah. was definitely one of the first, maybe the first. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Payton up in uh, Morgantown, and I think we saw some of his videos and uh, reached out to him, and we ended up uh, purchasing essentially everything except the licensing uh, from Mr. Payton. So that's a, and that's a 500 gallon pot still that um, that we'll be making our whiskeys on. But we had a lot of space and we had a lot more capacity that we could have improved on. So uh, we've been working with the Robert C. Byrd Institute uh, to both design and to actually fabricate two new stills that are of our own design. Uh, they'll be sta stainless steel, 304 stainless steel, and uh, we're working with um, a local company called Cyclops um, uh, that makes a, they make a, a small viewing eyeglass um, uh, apparatus for, um, for, you know, for, for looking into the, the stills. So we've, um, we've kind of bootstrapped it in that sense and uh, a lot of Craigslist uh, stuff where we're you know, running around and running to different states and just picking up this and that. So you're gonna do some uh, barrel aging, I'm assuming, as part of your process. And if, if so, what will that process be? Yeah, um, so we, uh, uh, we, we uh, again, we worked with a, a local organization, the um, Chemical Alliance Zone um, that focuses on, it's a, it's a nonprofit here in town that, that focuses on promoting uh, industrial activities. And they've helped us uh, purchase, I think it was about 40 barrels that we got uh, with a medium char on them. And so those will be our first couple, our first lot of runs out of um, what we're calling the Peyton still, the, the 500 gallon pot still. Uh, so we'll barrel age those. Most of those barrels will go on site into on site storage. Uh, we'll likely have to find another site, off, uh, another off-site uh, place for the rest of the storage. Um, but that'll get us through our first, um, our first uh, uh, phase one, as it were, with with the whiskeys, the okay. barrel age. Um, can you describe your bottling or packaging process? That is an ongoing thing that uh, that we're working on as well. We're, we're a family operation, and uh, my my older sister is a graphic design artist, and so. Um, she's based out of uh, both Charleston and she has an office in Brooklyn, New York. And um, so, so she's going to help us with the design and uh, sort of the marketing component of that. That's, that's, that's her field. Um, <clears throat> and we, I think we've got it narrowed down to uh, three different bottles for our whiskey. So we're still, um, we're still actually working on the, uh, uh, which, which exact bottles we'd like to see. But so that one's that one's probably the least uh, amount. You know, we we want to get in there and, and be ready to start making it, and then get all of our um, state applications in and get all of that approved, which we think that'll go pretty quickly. Well, you mentioned the Chemical Alliance Zone and the Robert C. Byrd Institute at Marshall University. H have you worked with any of the other development assistance groups around the the community or state? Um, as it pertains directly to alcohol production, no. Um, but we have had support from a lot of other uh, great organizations such as um, finance organizations such as uh, an urban development organization such as the Charleston Urban Renewal Authority. Um, we've worked with Natural Capital Investment Fund on some of our other projects. Um, but I, this has mostly been, uh, it's been a labor of love from, uh, my dad is uh, entering his retirement age. Uh, he's, he's in his mid-60s and this is something he's always wanted to do and uh, that guy's gonna work till the day he dies if he can help it. So he's uh, he's all in on on, uh, on on this project. 
So do you, might be a little early, but do you have an estimate of like the total investment you guys are going to be making to get this distillery up and running? That's a good question. We'll see when we finally finish. Um, but we're northwards of um, $500,000 right now. Um, that's, and that's all in. But we're also, you know, we, we, uh, we own the building. We constructed the building ourselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, and obviously we purchased all the equipment ourselves and we've provided all the labor through our construction companies. So we're very uh, vertically integrated in that sense. So our investment might be a little bit higher than the average startup for our size even. And when it's up and running, how many uh, employees do you estimate you'll have? At first, it'll be me, my dad, and my cousin. Uh, and then um, we hope to train uh, at least two guys for the back area and, um, and maybe have special hours for our tasting rooms or you know, by appointment only in the beginning. Uh, we kind of believe in um, not getting too far ahead of yourselves and uh, kind of moving slow, really figuring out the kinks and then uh, uh, you know, incremental growth. So I would say in the beginning, two, uh, two employees right off the bat, minimum. And we hope to, uh, in this facility, we hope to grow to um, at least six employees and, and just kind of almost working around the clock to make our product. And who will initially handle the distilling part? Again, that'll be uh, me, my dad, and my cousin from New Jersey. <laughs> little three-part uh, animal there. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Uh, do you have a target date as far as when you hope to have a soft opening? Uh, also a great question. Um, be, because based off the nature of our, you know, we, I, we'd like to have, you know, I think we boiled it down to two things. We can either have a grand opening when, we've, when we're up and running and nobody can sample anything because we'll be making whiskey right off the bat, uh, or we will wait until we've moved into the clear spirits um, section of our business and, and actually have something that people could uh, sample on site. So uh, there's some rigorous debates going on within the company about that right now. Well, that brings me to the more important, probably, aspect for us consumers, and that's what you're going to be making. Uh, talk a little bit about your product line. Sure. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, we'll have a 500-gallon whiskey still that, that we'll be um, making all of our whiskeys out of. Uh, but we've also been working on getting these two um, column stills fabricated for our clear spirits. And so those column stills um, will most likely primarily be producing gin and vodka. Uh, we have a little um, potato patch, as we call it, uh, about two blocks away that um, we've been growing some Kennebec and some Irish gold potatoes, and so we'll be making a, a truly uh, uh, a true potato vodka with those. We have about 1,500 pounds, and we're figuring the kinks out on um, best, best, best methods of growing those. Um, we've also been talking with some farmers about um, uh, sourcing potatoes and the problem with potatoes is that they're one of the, the lowest marginal, um, profitable, um, lowest m profitable margin of vegetables um, that you can uh, that you can that you can grow. Period. Um, so that's both a good and a bad thing. Um, but the potatoes would be for a vodka, potato vodka. Yes, absolutely. Maybe yeah. Go through your whiskey lineup. What you're thinking anyway now. Yeah, um, and and that's probably uh, um, again uh, we have some rigorous debates going on within our company about what that will look like. But I imagine uh, with these first forty barrels, we'll probably have a good split of um, of some two years, some five years, and and then upward above that. Yeah, that's something I was talking to Aaron about earlier. That when you're 
making aged whiskeys, I mean, you don't get your money back for a long time. The investment has to stay there for years. Right, right. Before you can get any return. And, and something that we like about um, our company that, that really sold us on ourselves about, about this is that we're very, we have very little debt associated with this. And so we've, we've found one of the common things that we um, <laughs> distilled out of uh, uh, talking with other businesses is that they, we found that um, debt and, uh, and cash flow uh, can oftentimes influence the product and, and the quality of the product that you're making. And that was something that was important to us that to not do that. Um, and so we're, we're going to be focused on making the highest quality product that we can rather than coming into cash flows uh, as fast as we can. And I think part of that will be, um, I haven't fully um, uh, done my research on this yet, but um, we're interested in, in selling to, um, uh, to whiskey groups or to uh, folks that are interested in buying sort of the theoretical bottles out of the, um, out of the barrels because, you know, as we know, we can't, uh, you can't sell barrels to um, non-distillers, but you can sell sort of futures of whiskey. So we're exploring that possibility as well. Well, and so that's, you kind of are leading into that for me, but you're going to have this product. How do you anticipate selling it? Uh, we think that uh, the product will speak for itself. Um, in the beginning, we don't, we don't even have a marketing budget right now. We think that there's a lot of foot traffic um, in this neck of the woods, and uh, we've just been—we're we're kind of those people who um, we uh, we like to get the nuts and bolts out of the way first before we um, start getting into the softer components of our businesses—the uh, marketing, the, um, uh, um, the the website design, things like that. So we're we're very product oriented at this point, and uh, we th we think that. We think that the marketing will come naturally, and, and we'd like to see, you know, we'd like to make our final decisions on what those products will be before we make any decisions about how to market it. So regarding the actual product, again, do you have any retail pricing in mind as of yet? We don't. We don't, no. Um, again, we think th things will be on the higher end, um, but, but not unaffordable, and, um, uh, and of course the quality has to match the price. So. Um, we're, we're conscientious of our costs. My, I'm an accountant. My dad's an accountant. So, um, you know, we're really going to watch ourselves on, on making sure that we don't uh, have a product that is uh, upside down before it even gets out. Well, um, mentioned, you know, certainly selling through your tasting room and possibly through local whiskey groups or other kinds of clubs and things, which makes a lot of sense for small operation. But are you also, as you grow, planning on getting through the distribution system and into the liquor stores? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we do hope to see uh, some changes in the many distillery laws. Um, they seem to, uh, of course, they're, they help, um, but, but they could be better. And uh, we've been talking to some other many distilleries in the state who, who would also like to see those things happening. So, yes, absolutely, we, we will work in the distribution channels. Um, uh, but we'd also like to, um, uh, we'd also like to, to look into um, potentially Internet sales, um, out-of-state sales, and there are some gray areas in the law with that that, that we'd like to flesh out a little bit more. Um, Another area I know uh, when Smooth Ambler was really getting up and running, they sent a lot of their marketing teams out into the bars and restaurants as key accounts, the kind that they wanted to be in, and, you know, picked out those key accounts and then got their product in the bars. Of course, you have to be in distribution first to get into the bars, 
Uh, is that something that you could see down the road? Yeah, I could absolutely see that, yes, yes. Um, and it'd probably be, again, me, dad, and my cousin uh, going out and, and, and doing the, uh, the initial um, parts of, of those kind of things. I think we, uh, we're all pretty good salesmen, too, I think. So uh, uh, we, my cousin Matt has a silver tongue, so we'll probably send him out the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably uh, sort of answered this as, as earlier when a lot of these things are still to be decided. But I just wondered if you had in mind, like, kinds of sales volumes that you want to do down the road or something to make this, uh, to, so that you guys would feel successful. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's funny, I said just the other day, we have a big um, uh, dry erase board on the top floor of our building here, and uh, every time we run that scenario, we come up with wildly different numbers. <laughs> um, and so we're trying to get more and more conservative about those things. Um, I think, in the, and, and, and that answer will change as we get better at it and we streamline and uh, become more efficient. So I, I would say we'd be, we'd be happy to put out 5,000 proof gallons um, in, in, the in 2020, which is when our first year of operation. And um, to be a mini distillery, you have to stay under the 20,000 gallon mark. I don't think we'll come near that for a couple years. Uh, we may eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that we'll be hovering around 10,000 proof gallons. Um, that'd be a pretty healthy margin and market. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. I appreciate you taking the time to join us for our podcast today. And Erin, what do you think? I think it is wonderful. Absolutely looking forward to it. Can't wait to taste your whiskey. Make sure you give us a call when you're ready for us to come have a tasting. Yeah, we'll definitely be back and uh, for a grand opening of a tasting room or at least to help let the people know what's going to happen there uh, down the road. Thank you. Thank you guys for your time today. It was, uh, it was nice to um, tell a story a little bit. Okay, that's all for this episode of West Virginia Beer Roads. So for Aaron McCoy, my podcast partner, I'm Charles Bachway saying respect beer and support your local breweries.